कथाजीवन कविरीत कलमशापहम श्रवणमंगल श्रीमदात भुवि गृणंती भूरीदाजना So today we will enter a new chapter of the Gospel of Sri Ramakrishna Tirthis. So we will first read out the portion, and then we will go to the discussion. It's October twenty-eight, eighteen eighty-two. It was Saturday, celebrated each autumn and spring, was being held in Beni Madhav Pal's beautiful garden house at Sithi, about three miles north of Calcutta. The house stood in a secluded place. suited for contemplation trees laden with flowers artificial lakes with grassy banks the green arbors and her fleecy clouds were turning gold in the light of the setting sun the master arrived many devotees had attended the morning devotions and in the afternoon people from calcutta and the neighboring villages joined them whom the master loved dearly was one of the large gathering of members of the brahmana samaj who had been eagerly awaiting sri ramakrishna's arrival <clears throat> when the carriage bringing the master and a few devotees reached the garden house the assembly stood up resplendent silence like that which comes when the curtain in a theater is about to be rung up people who had been conversing with one another now fixed their attention on the master's serene face eager not to at the sight of shivnath the master cried out joyously ah here is shivnath you see you are a devotee of god the very sight of you glad very happy to meet another very often they embrace each other in an exuberance of joy so that's something which we find in the scriptures mentioned sri ramakrishna's life itself is if you have read the bhagavatam shrimad bhagavatam where we find a very nice episode where liberated from his very birth an illumined soul the moment he took birth he left his hearth and home he was the son of vyasa he went deep into the forest and he was the atman and now just to cut the long story short in the meantime for years there was no news of shukadeva the religion of the bhagavatam to the human kind he was in search of someone who is a pure soul he has composed the bhagavatam being instructed by rishi narada who will spread this message now there was a need of a very pure soul untainted by worldliness and then suddenly he remembered his own son who he was in a deep forest immediately he thought that this the message of bhagavatam if it if at all it is going to be effective human kind it has to be preached by an extremely pure soul why he thought of shukadeva he was absorbed in the contemplation of the atman he was a gyani there was no worldly taint in him 
Now, if such a soul spreads the message of Bhagavatam, it will be accepted by the humankind. And specially, <clears throat> we find the divine support of the gopis with Krishna, which to understand in its proper import needs a very pure mind. Otherwise, just like an worldly love, that it's a pure love where there is no trace of lust. That has to be preached by someone who is beyond all the worldly attachment were to get him. So the story goes that Shukadeva selected one of the slokas of the Bhagavata which he himself has composed. The sloka starts as Varahapirang Natavaravapu. Body is like that's a description of Krishna. He is very extremely handsome, beautiful. He is the Gopala who along with the other cowherd boys in the morning has went to the bush, the forest to graze the cows, because by the hoof of the cow, the dust has started spreading in the sky. So there was, there was a spray of dust, and Krishna was returning, playing on his flute, accompanied by all the cowherd boys, the gopas, and while returning, he was purifying by the touch of his feet, the soil of Vrindavan. So it's a very sublime sloka, which now he brought the cow, he called the cowherd boys and the Rakhalas, the cowherd boys, and told them that my son must be somewhere deep in the forest. I don't know where he is. The best way to find him out, this is the cowherd boys, the sloka, depicting the beauty of Krishna, depicting that particular sin where Krishna is returning with other gopas, with other cowherd boys, back to Rindavan. So that's the sloka which he made all the cowherd boys to memorize and taught them how to chant it and then asks them to go deep into the forest and chant it. So they ask, why? Well, you just go and do it. You will find that some, the one who you will find, you will go to the deep into the forest. You will find someone who is in deep meditation, deep contemplation. It's impossible to break that contemplation. He will be coming out from the meditation. And then he will be asking that who has composed this? And when he asks, you see him, and he will be eager to see the composer because he will be full of that devotion, exuberant devotion. So when he, when he will be eager to meet the composer of this sloka, then bring him to me. So that's how Vyasa Shukadeva. And that's the description goes there, that hearing that sloka, the one who was in deep meditation, he came out of his meditation, there was horripilation in his body, tears were flowing down his eyes. He was exuberant. And as Vyasa planned, that's what happened. He asked that who has composed, and that's how Vyasa was again reunited by his son, and then he taught him Bhagavatam, and he's the one who preached the Bhagavatam to the humankind. So why we are just relating this story here? Just to say that, that Sri Ramakrishna's life is a reflection of the scriptures. You find that it do happen, absorbed in the deep meditation. <clears throat> when, he ha when he hears the chant of the divine, he comes down from that exalted state, that the play of the divine is so enchanting that even Atma Ramascha Munaya, the Muni who is, in, who is totally absorbed in his self, Nirgrantha, whose all the knots of his heart has fallen off, even uh, ignore this Ahaitu Ki Bhakti, Ahaitu Ki Bhakti, the Bhakti for which there is nothing, there is no selfishness, that generally our devotion has a lot of selfishness and our devotion to God is to get something of this world. But their devotion is just for devotion. There's a tremendous joy in loving God. They want nothing in return. 
So that ahaituki bhakti, that brings them down. However, Ramakrishna who has been perfected in so many ways of sadhana, who is to go to samadhi now and then, so he is saying that he sees a devotee. Whenever there is a scope for conversing on the divine, so that's what is being, is Sri Ramakrishna is indicating. Even in Narada Bhakti Sutra, there is a wonderful Kanthavarodha Romancha Asrubhihi Parashparam Lapamanaha Pavayanti Kulani Prithivincha. That such devotees, supreme devotion, what they do? They exchange notes. Parashpara, Parasparam Lapamana. They exchange notes with one another in choked voice. Kanthavarodha in choked voice on the end and asrubhi the tears roll down their eyes they purify the world they purify their family so that's the thing which we find in the life of ramakrishna the to enjoy the bliss of devotion by communion by his communion with the other devotees by coming in saying ah oh, here is shivnath you see you are a devotee of god the very sight of you gladdens my heart one hemp smoker ramakrishna the master of examples the master of allegories how nice is another when a man when two human beings are of same temperament same uh, type of temperament same likings when they meet they feel like surely and that's what he's speaking that a hemp smoker feels very happy to meet another very often they embrace each other in an exuberance of joy so hearing that such an example, all that what Sri Ramakrishna is indicating. Sri Ramakrishna in another, some other context, in some other place in the gospel, he says that when one comes down from spiritual realization, the mind is a pure mind, it cannot dwell on worldly things. But at the same time, he used to say that the mind cannot stay in a high note for a long time. That in the Indian music, there are seven notes, Sare Gama Padhani, the new is the highest in the high note for long. You have to come down. So here also he's saying that the mind has to come down. But when it comes down, he's a pure mind. He cannot, what the mind has to engage in something. In what to engage? He cannot engage in worldly things. Seeks the company of devotees. <coughs> when he's coming down, the mind has to be engaged in something. And as there is no worldly desire, it always remains in the company of mind. This idea is being explained in these simple words of Ramakrishna. The Master, many people visit the temple garden at Dakshineshwar. If I see among the visitors, indifferent to God, I say to them, you had better sit over there, see the beautiful buildings. That's what God is doing with us. There's a wonderful sloka, wonderful mantra in the Mundaka Upanishad, Paranchi Khani, Vyatna Antaratman, Kaschidhira, Pratyagatman Akshat, Avritta Chakshu, Amrita Plavichan. That the God has inflicted our senses in such a way that it always moves outward. It never sees within. Only a few blessed ones who have learned the art of shutting down their eyes, shutting down the senses and looking within, they alone can realize the Atman. So here also Sri Ramakrishna, when he finds that most of the people, they, our minds are all dwelling in the worldly things. It's very difficult for them to dive within. So for the majority of those beautiful buildings, all laugh. But that's what, what this we find that for most of us is the fact. And then Sri Ramakrishna is giving devotees of God are accompanied by worthless people. Their companions are immersed in gross worldliness and don't enjoy spiritual talk at all. Since the devotees keep on 
for a long time, talking with, finding it impossible to sit there any longer, they whisper to their devotee friends, when shall we be going? How long will you stay? The devotees say, wait a bit, we shall go after a little while. Well then, you can talk, we shall wait for you in the boat. So after Ramakrishna is saying that I ask them to go and see the beautiful buildings, don't think that I am harsh to them. That's the thing they want to do. They're actually relieved by that, those words. Sometimes they're embarrassed that they're as if forced to stay here. Just out decorum. As they've came with the friends, they cannot move out. So I actually help them by saying, please, please go and move out because they cannot stay here. They feel it's so torturing just to sit even for a while to listen to something which is holy, which is something divine, which speaks of devotion. They're not of the temperament. He's the master of allegory. He's the master of parables. What a nice parable he's illustrating in some other context in the gospel. That a fisherwoman, a fisherwoman was returning from the market after selling the fish. So his uh, it was full of the scales of the fish. While selling the fish, he was uh, the, the fish has to be uh, what is this cut into pieces and the scales has to be removed. So all the scales that were re remaining that was in the basket of the fish. The fisherwoman was returning, and suddenly there was a hailstorm, a huge storm, a hailstorm, and she found it almost impossible to proceed any further. And then she saw the another uh, lady, and she was a gardener. She used to stay in a garden. She was a gardener, and her house was near the garden. So this fisherwoman, finding no other way in the hailstorm, where to go? So she took off that gardener lady, who happened to be her friend. And this gardener lady, she told that, see, it's, at, it's impossible for you to go back to your village, to your house, to Nyland. So why not stay overnight here in the garden? And the fisherwoman agreed. And at night when she was, she lied down, she was restless. She was not f getting any sleep. Realized this beautiful fragrance of the flower. She's not habituated with that. That's not she is accustomed to. Every day she goes to sleep with a fishy smell. She brought that, that fish basket, which was full of the scales. She sprinkled some water on it and kept it near her head. And with that fishy smell, that smell, then she started snoring, had a very sound sleep. For the worldly people, even if you try to keep them in some holy company, in some holy environment, they feel almost suffocated. So, the temperament, even if you are forced to be in spiritual atmosphere, sometimes it doesn't help. As in English they say, you can take a horse to the water, but you cannot make it drink, uh, was indicating that worldly people will never listen to you if you ask them to renounce everything and devote themselves wholeheartedly to God. After having no divine inclination, so for them it is almost impossible to imbibe those spiritual vibration. But is there no way out? The divine incarnation comes to be compassionate towards, and that's what Sri Ramakrishna will be speaking of. What's the way out? Worldly people, now Ramakrishna is writing something interesting. Worldly people will never listen to you if you ask them to renounce everything and devote themselves wholeheartedly to God. Therefore, made an arrangement to attract the worldly. They would say to such persons, come, repeat the name of Hari, and you shall have a delicious soup of magur fish. Many people attracted by the fish and the woman would chant the name of God. After tasting a little of the nectar of God's hallowed name, they would soon realize that for love of God, while the young woman signified the earth, the embrace of the woman meant rolling on the ground in the rapture of divine love. So in Bhagavatam, 
in one of the slokas it is mentioned yena tena prakarena that the thief never thinks of some righteous way of stealing whatever in whatever way it's possible by hook or by crook from corner of the house he will find out some way by hook or crook to get to steal it so similarly in bhagavata it is stressed that for keeping your mind in god for keeping your mind in god to be devoted to god to keep uh, your emotions your devotion fixed the by hook or by crook keep your mind in the divine and that's what we find chaitanya and nita is doing they use the worldly lure as make the child do something which is desirable the mother will be using some lollipops to lure them so with that they will be lured will be motivated to do which is desirable picking off this worldly uh, pleasures that you can have a delicacy the magur fish it's a delicacy the embrace of a woman that speaks of sense in that that by luring them what they are making they are making them to take the name of lord and in the process if you go on taking the name of god the devotion is bound to sprout it has been very nicely mentioned that how to develop devotion i don't have devotion you say be devoted to god how can i be devoted to god i don't feel the devotion so very nicely it has been spoken ei hori naam nite nite bhakti mukul phut bechite so go on taking the name of the lord and in the process if you go on taking assiduously you will find that the bud of devotion which is in your heart has blossomed has it has bloomed so that's the way so that's why we find chaitanya and what they're doing somehow they're making the people take the name of the lord they know it for very well if you go on taking the name of the lord the devotion is bound to blossom in your heart that all those words this apparent uh, uh, idea of sen- sensuous pleasures sensual joy is actually speaking of the fish soup means the tears that you shed for the love of god and the embrace of the young woman means the earth you that you you get so exuberant with joy that you start rolling on the that the idea which we find in the bhagavatam that yena tena prakarena krishna manu nivashay that's how nicely has been implemented by the avatars by the divine incarnation so they know how to make human being that get the divine love nitai would employ any means to make people repeat hari's name chaitanya said the name of god has very great sanctity it may not produced an immediate result a seed that has been left on the cornice of a building after many days the house crumbles and the seed falls on the earth germinates and at last bears fruit so this is very interesting thing vivekananda used to say that the entire spiritual journey can be defined with 3p purity patience perseverance purity speaks of trying to keep the mind in the thought of the divine and it's not at the beginning so you go on trying repeatedly that repeated endeavor speaks of perseverance and for that you should have patience it's not a matter of one or two perseverance with patience for quite a long time and then suddenly you will find that the devotion is blooming in your heart so the name of the divine is very powerful sprout into that devotion today or tomorrow it's extremely powerful so once you start taking the sanskara start growing most of us complain that we don't get the environment that i somehow have developed the idea that this ineffable joy in renouncing the so called immediate pleasures of life and to 
get engrossed in divine contemplation. I have worldly duties that it's not possible for me. So here the answer is that you go on trying your best in whatever situation you are placed, that whatever circumstances it may be, in whatever way it is possible, if you go on taking the name of the God, the sanskar will be formed. And once the sanskar is formed, if you have some, know it for certain, they have to fructify. You have to be gravitated in some environment, today or tomorrow, where all those latent impressions will be, will find express. So that's the idea of karmashaya in Yoga Shastra they speak of. If you have samskara, that samskara today or tomorrow is going to get that field. You will be gravitated there. That's the way in, in this life, a good student with the samskara to study, he has a latent impression. He doesn't get distracted in the worldly thing. He's focused in his studies. There's a good in some reputed university. That huge university is not the product of his endeavor. It was already there. It's a collective endeavor of the entire humankind. Now his, all his so-called ambition gets fulfilled. That to start, go to the higher course, some professional course. So two things, sanskara and taking God's name. But at the same time, at the same time, I feel the circumstances are not favorable. Know it for certain. If I can develop this samskara today or tomorrow, this birth or next birth, I'm bound to get that type of environment. example where it synthesizes this Purushakara and Kripa, your own endeavor and grace. In spiritual life, grace do play a great role. Nothing can happen just by our own effort. But when the grace will dawn on us, we don't know. So Ramakrishna used to and of grace and endeavor. He used to say that there were two farmers. One farmer was a traditional farmer. He, used, he believed that what his forefathers have tell, told, he has to follow that. That every year at particular, he is supposed to plow the land. And he plows the land. The other farmer, he thinks he's going to be very intelligent. <clears throat> he read the forecast that there is not going to be any rain. So he said, what's the need of plowing? Forecast proves to be wrong. Suddenly there is a huge downpour. And Ramakrishna asks, who will be benefited? The one who has plowed the land will be benefited. So when the rain comes, we don't know. But if we have, so God's grace alone is not sufficient. That we, our endeavor, what we have to do, that should be taken care of. Let our do our best, God will take care of the rest. Name of the Lord. When you get the favorable ground, the seed was in the roof. It couldn't uh, sprout because it was in the terrace of the building. And one day, in the strong wind, wind it blew it and it fell in the ground. And then, for years together, it couldn't sprout. Now it started sprouting. So that's what the devotion is. The name of the God is like the seed. It, has, it, it is not yet, it has not yet sprouted. But don't think that it won't sprout. If you go on, taking the name of the Lord, a time will come where you will get that favorable ground. The circumstances will be favorable. There will be an upsurge of devotion. And there, so for that, we should patiently wait. We're totally resigning to the divine. Let us do our best. God will take care of, our, of the rest. And that's why any means to make people repeat Hari's name. So the sanskara is formed. Chaitanya said, the name of God has a very great sanctity. It may not produce an immediate result, but one day it must bear fruit. It is like a seed that has been days. The house crumbles and the seed falls on the ground, germinates, and at last bears fruit. So how nicely this the synthesis of Purushakar and Krip by the simple words of Sri Ramakrishna. As worldly people are endowed with sattva, rajas, and tamas, so also is bhakti characterized by the three gunas. Now Ramakrishna is own unique way, its expression in our life. So he's now giving 
the description of a sattvic, rajasic and tamasic people. Do you know what a worldly person house is in a dilapidated condition here and there? He doesn't care to repair it. The worship hall may be strewn with pigeon droppings and the courtyard covered with moss, but he pays no attention to these things. The furniture of the house may be old. He doesn't think of polishing it and making it look neat. He doesn't. But the man himself is very gentle, quiet, kind and humble. He doesn't injure anyone. Again, among the worldly, there are people with the traits of Rajas, three rings on his fingers, the furniture of his house is all speak and span, on the walls hang portraits of the Queen, the Prince of Wales and other prominent people, the building is whitewashed and spotlessly clean, his wardrobe is filled with a large assortment of clothes, even the servants have their livery and all that. So all the splendor, the glamour, the and the traits of the worldly man endowed with tamas are sleep, lust, anger, egotism and the like. All the things which deludes us, which clouds our intellect. This is the sleep, lust, anger, egotism. Similarly, Bhakti, now after speaking, the three types of gunas as expressed through the three temperaments, the sattvic, rajasic and tamasic, now he will speak even in a devotee. <coughs> that A devotee need not be just sattvic. Even a devotee can be sattvic, rajasic and tamasic. It has been expounded in Bhagavanatraya Vibhaga Yoga. There we find, this, it has been elaborately explained there. But here Sri Ramakrishna is explaining in his own unique fashion. Similarly, Bhakti, devotion, has its sattva. A devotee who possesses it meditates on God in net. As he doesn't want to be appreciated, that others should be praising him, that he's a very religious man. He doesn't have that type of motivation, joy, the bliss which comes out of contemplation. He has no worldly view in mind. What to speak of having wealth? Many may say that I meditate, I don't want wealth, I just want to meditate. But maybe that's, there's a, uh, in his mind the desire for name and fame is lingering. As Swami Vivekananda used to say, that the last thing to bind us is name and fame. It's easy to get rid of lust. It is easy to get rid of our attachments towards name and fame. So here we find that such a devotee, Sattvic, he has no external expression. He meditates perhaps inside his mosquito net. Others think he is asleep. Since he is late in getting up, they think perhaps he has not slept well during the night. His love for the body goes only as far as appeasing his hunger and that only by means of rice elaborate arrangement about his meals, no luxury in clothes and no display of furniture. Besides, such a devotee never flatters anybody for money. So it's simple living high thing. He has nothing to do, his devotion has nothing to do with the worldly gains. He's dispassionate about all the worldly ways of life and his mind is always engrossed in the contemplation of the divine but that also he doesn't make a show. If people find an expression of devotion in your life, they will be immediately coming and making you a great person, a holy man. They will be revering you. So he does everything in secret, in silence, so that no one can find out what he's doing. So that's the sattvic type of devotee. He projected that people should see that through his devotion, how he uh, shows off his wealth. That also is a, uh, speaks of the rajasic temperament. Possessed of rajasic bhakti, puts a tilak, a mark of sandal paste or other material to denote one's religious affiliation. 
So even in, we find in Chaitanya Charitamrita they say that the real devotee, fragrance of Krishna, what it means? That all the devotion is within. All this tilak and other, th- other things, the marks, the rosary, everything speaks of the fragrance that other people will find out. There will be no external expression. And that's what Sri Ramakrishna is saying. But the Rajasik Bhakti, they want approbation, they want acknowledgement that people should recognize that they are a devotee. Forehead and a necklace of holy Rudraksha beads interspersed with gold ones around his neck. At worship, he wears a silver to show off his devotion. He will be just, what you say, that carrying his religion as if uh, in his, uh, what you say, that in his scholars, that all can see as if that he is a very religious man. He wants that type of uh, recognition. A man endowed with tam literally extorts boon from God. Even as a robber falls upon a man and plunders his money, bind, beat, kill, that is his way, the way of decoys. It is just taking and not giving. In sattvic devotion, it is giving and receiving. You give your devotion to the Lord and secretly you receive that bliss. You don't ask for it, it is there. Rajasik Bhakta has a give and take. That my devotion, that I am just uh, for getting something. Name, fame, wealth. Tamasik Bhakta, he, in his life, what we find, he's a lazy person, he's angry, and that's why he couldn't flourish in life with all those threats. It takes him to some crisis. And in crisis, he has done nothing. No devotional practice, no uh, way uh, that he has not adopted even any secular means to uh, really progress in life, even as far as the worldly uh, uh, achievements are concerned. He has done nothing and he is in danger. He then suddenly starts blaming God. It is because of you everything has happened. It is you who have to save me. So it is only the question of like a dacoit. It just goes and plunders. Previously plundered your own life, now you are plundering the divine. Just a thief. What he does, he has done nothing to really gain wealth in a positive way. And then he goes and plunders the other's man property. So Tamasik Bhakti is also something like that. Because of his uh, lazy uh, mind which is always clouded with inertia, he could in no way flourish in life. But for everything he blames God and he claims that it is you who have to save me. Bhakti. Because that also, all this helps us. In Bhagavad Gita also it has been mentioned that a bhakta can be sattvic, rajasik, tamasik. That's why we should not think that the sattvic us here has categorized all the three and all the three are accepted. Why? Because of the basic reason that whether I am rajasik, tamasik or sattvic, somehow that there is something that even as a worldly person, I relate through devotion with the divine, that bhakta. That speaks of the greatness that somehow you acknowledge which transcends this worldly existence. You have developed an awareness for that. So whatever state you may be, gradually it will take you to that highest spiritual evolution. So no one is left out. So that's the beauty tantric tradition. It speaks of sublimation, not subjugation. You did not have to force. With whatever nature you have, you can reach the divine. You did not have to relinquish your nature. That whatever traits, tendencies you have towards the worldly thing, all those traits, you need not have to relinquish. You need not have to stop. Just direct them towards God. And find that after speaking of this three bhakti, Sri Ramakrishna will be saying that even this tamasic bhakti is good. We need not uh, criticize such a person. That his faith in the divine will take with all his tamasic tendencies. He has a tremendous focus. 
as in a, in a, in the crisis moment we get a tremendous focus just to give an example that suppose i was traveling uh, i was just driving to have a head on clash it was just a fraction of second that thing happened but that impression you will never forget in life because the fear of death that crisis mind gets intensely focused the mark which is keep which it which it leaves in your mind is undeletable it it, uh, it cannot be deleted it is a very strong impression as that focus because of his callousness he falls in such a situation where there is no way out now out of the crisis the tremendous fear that he is going to be drowned the tremendous focus somehow he developed the faith in the divine and that focus is going to create associated with the thought of the divine and that is going to help him spiritually evolve him so it's not blamed after saying that we find sri ramakrishna to exemplify to extol the tamasic bhakti will start to sing in a voice sweet with rapturous love his eyes turn upward what the song that the meaning of the song is why should i go to ganga or gaya or kashi kanchi or prabhas that's what the regular devotee does so long as what need the rituals has a man what need of devotions anymore if he repeats the mother's name at the three holy hours so just first he says by taking the name of kali upon your lips at crisis the danger when you are about to leave your life they say that moron kali hori naam this is very good though the life doesn't speak of devotion but at the moment of crisis somehow you have that i'm going to create an indelible mark in your mind so what's the need of all the rituals and other thing if you don't have that intense faith that nistarini devi one of the lady devotee of ramakrishna when she used to visit belurmat doing japa for hours together she will laugh and she used to say very interesting thing in bengali she used to say jotoi jap karo dhyan karo murte janle hoy you may do japa what's the use if you don't know the art of dying murte janle hoy so that's the thing which is, is indicated that if somehow at the moment of crisis you have not you have never resorted to so called conventional religion but in the bottom of your heart to help you out is going to liberate you is going to deliver you and that makes you take the name of the lord at the moment of the crisis then for such a person what's the need for rituals what's the need for devotion hours rituals may pursue him close but never can they overtake him so once you have intense devotion whether you have rituals or not the rituals may be following you but they can never overtake him means shadowed by the rituals that sometimes rituals become the cause for our distance from the divine there's a very nice tagore song that tumar pujar chale tumar just forget you with all those elaborate paraphernalia i just forget you that dhuper mala dipher alo dhuper dhwar pichon hote paine tumar paine tumar choron paine sujog choron chhua so there's a nice tagor song the incense stick the flowers all those things becomes a barrier it doesn't allow me to touch your feet so if the rituals becomes that's that's why swami vivekananda used to say it is good to be born in a church but it is horrible to die there so all those rituals are good if the devotion to sprout if that has not sprouted what's the use of that the rituals are secondary divine contemplation is primary that's been indicated by this line that rituals may pursue him close but never can overtime charity vows and giving of gifts do not appeal to madan's mind madan is the composer of this uh, song so all this charities vows this speaks of this conventional religion that doesn't in any way appeal to him why because he knows it for certain his faith in the divine if not always will make him think of the divine at the at the moment of challenges in life so the blissful mother's lotus feet 
or his whole prayer and sacrifice, who could ever have conceived the power her name possesses? Shiva himself, the God of Gods, sings her praise with his five mouths. So that's the song. So after saying, singing that, the master was beside himself with love for the Divine Mother. He sang with a fiery enthusiasm. If it only, I can, if only I can pass away repeating Durga's name, how can thou then, O Blessed One, withhold from me deliverance? Wretched. So now after singing this song, he's relating them to the Tamasic devotion. One must take the firm attitude. What? I have chanted the Mother's name? How can I be a sinner anymore? I am her child, the higher of her powers and glories. You can realize God with its help. Force your demands on God. He is by no means a stranger to you. He is indeed your very own. So this speaks of this sublimation, not suppression. With the, the tamasic, for a tamasic person to become sattvic is not easy. We know how difficult it is to transform our nature. So here the scripture prescribes it. Be at home with them. Be don't be your own enemy. Be friendly towards yourself. Be kind to yourself. Accept the fact you're of that nature. But with that, you can adopt some way, you can orient your life in such a way that your nature inst and lead you to the spiritual evolution. And that's the idea behind the worship of the Shakti. All the Shakti worship, like the Mother Durga's puja is called Sarvajanin. It is, the Durga worship is for all. The Pujari is supposed to be of Sattvic temperament. He is doing Upavasa, fasting, chanting the name of the Lord, meditating. For him, this puja is prescribed. For Rajasik, yes, for them also, you know, there, there is a prescription for offering all costly things. There are all the rich men, they have the scope to relate to the divine by offering costly items. So they also can relate. The Tamasik, they also can relate. There is, there is a scope for this sacrifice, Bali. Even wine is offered to the mother. They are not saying that uh, this divine mother is not for you. So there is a way that mother, when she is going to the battlefield, she has to be in that tremendous, uh, vigorous mood. For that, to a certain extent, intoxication is okay. So that's how the scriptures are prescribed. At the time of immersion, the scriptures has mentioned that all should be entertaining the mother with all sorts of vulgar dance and vulgar words. Why? That how can a worship be related with all those things? The idea is, let all relate to the mother, that these people are of that nature. But if I say that, you, that unless you are purified, you cannot worship mother, they will be left out. Let them come vulgar dance, use those vulgar words, foul language, but still they are relating to the divine. And that with their nature, gradually the devotion will creep in. So just see how compassionate this, uh, uh, this example that, and it is generally the Shakti worship, which is related with this, the divine as if coming down to our level. To explain that, we can explain away, if a small child who has no sense of hygiene in a playing mood, runs to the gutter, and just runs down the gutter and starts having fun and frolic there to get the child back. So that's what mother is doing. She's coming down as if to our nature. She is beyond all the nature, but she comes down to our nature so that we can relate to her and then she can pull her up. So that's the, maybe a tamasic bhakta, but that, mean, that doesn't mean that it is something which should be censored, which should be criticized. With that also, you can reach the divine. The, positive side of it is, it gives a tremendous focus, tremendous resilience, the strength, that mother, you are there, that type of resilience, the grit is there, with tremendous force, he can demand that you, after all, you are my mother, you have to say me. And that's what is needed, that's what Sri Ramakrishna is indicating, that even Tamasik Bhakta can uh, lead to that spiritual illumination, if he can, negativities to the, the divine.
and that negativities will turn into something positive that will help him to outgrow all his limitations and go beyond all the three gunas to be in communion with the divine so that's a wonderfully the simple words how nicely the scriptures so we'll continue with it again in the next class the uh, discussion the conversation which Sri Ramakrishna is having with the Brahma devotees so with this we stop our discussion today thank you all